Before we start our episode, we would love to thank our newest sponsor, The Hook Dispensary in Santa Rosa, California. It is a legally licensed recreational and medical cannabis dispensary, and it's about the coolest one you will ever visit. And it is also owned by Eddie Alvarez, who happens to be our Santa Rosa City Councilman. Yes, Eddie's the coolest too. So thanks so much, Eddie. Shout out and thank you, The Hook. We appreciate your sponsorship and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the People Doing Good podcast. I'm Mariah Volk. And I'm Jerry Robinson. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, we are all about spreading positivity, sharing stories of people doing positive things, people doing good. Right, Jer? You nailed it. You hit it right on the head. You just, you know, you have a, you wear a lot of hats, Mariah. I got to hand it to you. You are building well. my confidence. Jerry, thank you for pumping me up. And I do actually wear... A lot of hats, but I also do wear a lot of hats. Like I, I have a hat from you, my Raider, um, the Raider Foundation, Foundation hat. hat. And you, yeah. one yeah. day you were wearing that hat and I told you I liked that hat and you pulled it directly off your head and put it on my head. And, and that is how Jerry Robinson rolls. So he's, hey, he's I, down a hat, but I'm, I uh, really appreciate Hey, you know what? You know what? I'm one of those type of people. I'd give you the shirt off my back, but it might be a little large, but that's that's me. If you were cold, I'd give you the shirt off my back or the jacket off my back. Or, well, actually, you know, well, you say that, Jerry. I really do like that shirt you're wearing right now. <laughs> okay. But if you hear a knock on the door, it'll be there. Okay. If you hear a knock, straight <laughs> knock on the door, I won't, I'll just leave it there and run. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, and listeners, thanks for tuning in. We're here to tell you another positive story, someone doing good in the community, in their community, in the world. We have today on the show, Dr. Lori Sulpizio, who actually happens to be a former college um, buddy of mine. And we had one prior too. And I was so excited to catch back up with Lori. I met her in 1993 and she's accomplished so many things since then. Just a little bit about Lori. Dr. Lori Sulpizio is the director of the Conscious Leadership Academy at the University of San Diego, and she's the founder of the Center for Women's Leadership at USD. Dr. Sulpizio's leadership interests include gender dynamics, specifically women, voice, and power. Among many other things, we wanted to talk to her today a little bit about the gender stuff, because that's such a relevant issue in our culture right now. And we want to shed a little light on the amazing work that Lori, Dr. Lori does. And uh, if it's okay with you, Jerry, I think we should just get right into it and let them listen. Let's roll. So we met Lori and I at Cal Poly in 93. Your mm-hmm. at the time girlfriend Tammy Brokaw and I were the two freshman recruits coming in to play right. at Cal Poly. And she That's and I right. were, we had to be kind of tight because we were the only freshmen and That's you right. know it was uh we ended up getting a walk-on. But I met Lori through Tammy. Yes. 
And Lori, you would always be so game to come scrimmage with us. I know. I remember you like, what are you? Five, six. You were boxing out the centers. Like Dude. we had Sharon from Oakland. Eight. I'm five, eight. Oh, you are. Okay, 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 okay. But yeah, it's true. It's when I always got to be like the other team's, you know, shooter or something. And it was super fun. It was super fun. So fun. Yeah. She would come to our practices and be like, okay, we're planning, you know, the next game and you know, this, you would play the role. You're like an actor. (laughs) And the other thing, Lori, before we get into it, um, that I used to love doing with you was we would sit in this room. I have a vision of the room. Whose house was that? Probably ours, right? When we moved off campus, I'm thinking. It was yours. And Lori and I, she played the guitar and I loved to sing and we would do the whole Indigo Girls Swamp Alphelia album. Oh, we would. Oh, we harmonize with each other. Right. Yep, yep. That's so true. That was- <laughs> I, lo- I love it. This is amazing. You know, not only uh, you ladies extreme athletes, but you also had that musical connection and hanging out and, yeah. you know, playing the guitar and singing songs. Oh, boy, yeah. weren't those good old days, huh? They, they were. <laughs> oh my it goodness. was a lot okay. of fun. So, but I came across on Facebook a video that you had made recently, and that's why I reached out to you. It was yeah. a, a video on gender identity, and it really struck me. And I thought, wow, this would be an interesting conversation to have on the podcast from someone like you with with all of the knowledge that you have so I wanted to kind of get into that what made you decide to start this video series on gender identity that's a great question you know I think I often kind of say that my my sexuality journey happened at Cal Poly I mean right it started younger in high school but it was at Cal Poly as an undergrad in those kind of early 90s where I was able to really find my authentic self and Uh, around my sexuality being a lesbian but they're really back then I would say there still wasn't the words or language around gender like we have now so I always you know was inclined to more what we would say masculine things and I preferred men's clothes and it was great because I could wear basketball shorts and athletic wear is is somewhat gender neutral in many ways right and so it was perfect I mean it fit perfectly for me Um, and I coached you know college basketball for a while afterwards so I was able to live in this very good space where I could you know kind of just be that gender neutral dress athletic dress it's fine and when I evolved out of it then it really continued to sort of push upon my identity and my sense of self of like, wow, this language around gender non-binary and this language around not gender non-conforming, like that feels true for me. You know, I actually was a stereotypical gender non-conformer my whole life Um, because I will say I identify as a biological female. I have no problem with the she. I've, I've birthed from this body four children. So the she is a very big part of me. Um, but as of late, I've explored what that looks like with the expression in terms of gender and being, I don't even love to say he or she, but just the way society talks about it would say a little more masculine, um, and kind of fluid in between, you know, when I'm nurturing and loving my kids or being more collaborative or creative, I think we could say that's the feminine, but I can be decisive and maybe even aggressive at times. And, you know, I dress in boys clothes. So then there's the, the masculine. So it's, it's really that, that has brought me to kind of identifying that way. And then wanting to talk about it, wanting to talk about sort of where it comes alive in me. Yeah. I think you have a point that at the time in the early nineties, we didn't have access to, to as much information and as much sharing and as much, um, 
a, a, a lack of less judgment around it. I think we have now and the kids that are growing up in this environment are more open to expressing who they are and they have yeah. words to use. And yeah. you know, I think that that's, that's an important point you bring up. And, and with regard to the words and the labels and the pronouns, um, you had a video specifically on non-binary versus gender fluid. And mm-hmm. a lot of the people listening to our podcast may not have much experience at all with this sort of language. Um, and I'm wondering if you could speak to that, uh, you know, as if we're someone listening who has no background whatsoever with what that means. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, I'll start with gender fluid, because to me, that's almost, in my mind, like an easier thing maybe to get get your head around, which is essentially somebody who kind of freely moves between the masculine and feminine, freely moves between what society would say is male and female. And I think it's important to distinguish between, you know, again, our, our biological sex, which is the bo- the physical body, and potentially the way we express and live out our lives. So the way we act, the way we feel, think, you know, speak, tone of voice, dress. Um, and so because society has such specific, you know, categories for what should be men and women, when you don't fit in those, or when you move back and forth between them, right, then gender fluid is a term that captures that. So that's that I would say for that. Then I guess for the non-binary part, you know, that is gender fluid folks are non-binary, but not all non-binary might be gender fluid. So the non-binary is saying, I just don't fit within the binary either or of man, woman, masculine, feminine. And there's a couple different kind of categories or, or labels for that, like being a gender or, or potentially without a gender could be something. Um, so that would be non-binary, but that person may not think they're gender fluid. They may just say they don't have a gender. Um, so there's a little more variation. Non-binary is a bigger category um, where gender fluid to me reflects people that just kind of just go back and forth as they see fits in their life and, you know, life demands. And, and Dr. Lori, I want to once again, <laughs> thank you for having us, having you on the podcast. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm recognizing and seeing more younger people, the younger generation um, through social media or through just word of mouth, but especially social media, you know, going on, going on social media and letting people know who they are. <laughs> And, you know, you know, don't call me uh, so-and-so, I have a new name. And you know what, I think it's becoming more acceptable. Uh, I'm hoping it becomes totally acceptable because for me, it's important to express yourself. You know what, it's about loving people for who they are. Just who you are is what matters to me. And I just, I've, I've noticed that there's more people. Matter of fact, there's four or five people that I know that have, uh, you know, that have used social media to let people know, no, this is who I really am, you know, and, and if you understand uh, that that's not an easy thing to do for a lot of people, you know, and I, and I, and I reflect back on, on, I'll just let's start with Bruce Jenner, who's Caitlin now. And I remember doing uh, years ago when I was playing for the Los Angeles Raiders at a fundraiser uh, with Bruce. And, you know, when he decided to become Caitlin, you know, some of the reactions that people had, some of them were negative, some of them were positive, but I was so excited for him to become her, who he really wanted to be, because I realized that the struggle, what he had to go through all those years. So I can imagine, you know, people, 
you know, struggling, not knowing what to say or how to act. They have to be careful what they have to say. So I'm all for it. You know what? I'm like this. Be who you are, y'all. People that are listening mm-hmm. to this, if you're if you're thinking about you don't know which way to go, go be you. Just be you because you know your real friends will accept you. You know, you'll find out who your friends are. And if those people that that, that have an issue with it and uh, they might make some comments about it. They were never your friends in the first place. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I just have noticed a, uh, more people starting to come out and just letting people know who they are. And I, I think it's fabulous. Yeah. I mean, thank you for kind of just for saying all that. And I would say two things, you know, there, there is the trans community and the trans experience, right. Where, like you mentioned with, with Bruce, transitioning to Caitlin, where they really do feel like they are, you know, kind of misgendered, missexed from birth and then make that transition. Um, and I, how, how great that we are starting to allow that with a little more freedom and permission. And I will just say, unfortunately, the trans community still gets a lot of discrimination and there's a lot of policy even and legislation that is mm-hmm. trying to take rights away for them. And I, it's not right. I understand the difficulty because it's it's foreign for many people. People don't understand it. And when we don't understand something, I think we resist it. I mean, right. And so when when it doesn't fit in our mental model of of how life should be or how people should be, we resist it, you know. Um, but you also mentioned like people changing their names, you know, or coming on social media, maybe, and, and, and just coming out with a new name and saying they. And and maybe these people aren't trans, but they just want to become they or want to become a, a gender neutral name. And I think that's really, you know, two things could be the young time, you know, you see it a lot in kids in their twenties on college campuses, right? It's a big time to find your identity and gender is, is a huge part of our identities, right? So I think there's a lot of exploring who we are. And part of that, which is exciting to me is this conversation around saying, we don't have to be so locked in to the shoulds of men and the shoulds of women. You know, and, and as you were speaking, it made me think the first person that I could, that quickly comes to my mind that changed their name was Prince. I mean, right? The artist, artist for, and actually didn't even become a name. He became a symbol, right? That's true. Um, and so we kind of have precedent for this saying like, I don't want to be locked in to what society de- determines, you know, a man if I'm, should or shouldn't be because, and in athletics, you know, we were all athletes. It's hugely restrictive for men. You know, you can't be emotional. You can't be tough. You have to be masculine in this very certain way. And I think it's, it's problematic. You don't get to be, men don't get to be their full selves in our current system and structure of what a man gets to be, right? Socially accepted wise. And so we're saying, let's throw that out the window and let's embrace our humanity a little more fully for all of us. And if that means we have to change our names for a while and push back until maybe the system really shifts itself. Um, my hope is that one day we won't have to say they because being a she is fine for however I want to be it. And being a he could be fine for however I want to be it. And there won't be consequences for defying social standards, which there are still, right? Right. You know, as I um, this morning was thinking about um, having you on to speak with you today, I just did a little bit of research and was doing some reading about this topic. And I read that this was last month, um, a poll was taken and and they approximate that half of Gen Z believes that gender binary is outdated. Can you speak Mm -hmm. to that? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, that actually excites me, right? Because if we think about things like the Me Too movement, and then I do a lot of work now on, on women in leadership and gender and leadership, and there still are incredible biases and prejudices and discriminations for women. In the, sa- in the same way, I kind of say, you know, we're pushing back on sort of the gender bias and the women bias and on the racial bias. I mean, right, I think right now these two movements are sort of maybe the movements of our time to try to disrupt the oppressive, you know, kind of society that we have around gender and race. Um, and so I think what what is great about Gen Z doing that is they're saying, I don't want to live within this kind of model that says women have to be this way or men have to be this way because that's oppressive. Yeah. I mean, right. It is oppressive to women. We know still with research, it holds women back, the pay gap, the confidence gap. I mean, and we know that we're now learning how negative it is to men to not be able to express their emotion, to have, you know, almost a, uh, you know, a fear of vulnerability, of healthy vulnerability for authenticity because of the consequence of not being man enough. We know that it's, it's toxic for our sons, our young boys. Um, and so I think it's, it's a pushback to say no more to that. No more to boys will be boys. No more to girls having to be sweet and cute and defined by their looks. Like, let's all do it all, right? I mean, I want my sons to be handsome and care about their looks just like I do my daughter. And I want my daughter to, you know, tear up the basketball court just like I do my sons. So it's like breaking those boundaries away, I think. Is your daughter playing basketball? Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah, okay. she's excited. It's cool. Yeah. So she yeah, my son's a quarterback, actually. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. He's uh, so that's exciting. We're kind of happy to have sports. We're sidebar, but happy to have sports back, you know, right now for high school kids. Yeah. And you're in San Diego, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So does that make you a Chargers fan? Okay. So yeah. JR. Totally, totally. Oh, yeah. You know what it does? I have to say, (laughs) as much as San Diegans, they sometimes cringe, like, oh, they left us. I'm still a Chargers fan. And I, I love me some Phillip Rivers. I know they I know the the dude can't finish. I know we should have had a Super Bowl, but I still like him a lot. So I think I still am. I try to get behind another team just when they left our city, but it's emotionally I can't like I'm you know uh-huh. what I mean I'll take some recommendations I like the 49ers actually too that would be my final second team but, but, but you know what's, what's interesting about what you were talking about you know the Chargers you know first they were in LA to start with then they moved down to San Diego yeah. you know now they're back in uh, back in LA again and you know I know what you're talking about and I know what you're experiencing and I think about the Raider fans who started in Oakland went to LA I played for them in LA then they came back to Oakland and now they're in they're in Las Vegas. But the thing yeah. of it is, is you know what? You'll always have that connection with the Chargers. Those yeah. lightning bolts, those days of yep. Philip Rivers. What a remarkable man! I <laughs> had a yeah. lot of respect for him. You know, it was mm-hmm. sad to see him go, but it was time to go. It was time for him yeah. to go. And uh, totally. you know that char- that Chargers football team right now. I, I got my eye out on them. You know, you know what? I uh, I still got to give them some respect because. Uh, yeah. You know, my Raiders and, and them are in the same division and it's always competitive no matter what our records are like. When we go play the Chargers, I remember being oh. in Jack Murphy Stadium. Okay, oh, yeah? My first time yeah. being in Jack Murphy Stadium when I was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, we are playing. I remember Dan Fouts threw a touchdown pass to Kellen Winslow, okay? And I was on the field that particular play. <laughs> I remember it so well. And all of a sudden, I heard this explosion, boom, this cannon went off. 
And I wasn't familiar with what was going on. So when the cannon went off, I just immediately hit the ground. I'm laying on the field, like, what's going on around there? I didn't realize that every time they scored, they blew that, that cannon went off. And oh, yeah. I was like, well, what did they experience? Yeah, they scored so many points that day, they ran out of gunpowder, actually. But uh, so it was fun. a great rivalry. Anyway. Yeah, it's so it's so true. And, you know, as you're speaking, it makes me think of what I love about sport. I mean, so many things. But one of those is I do think in athletics – we get to break gender barriers. And I think in, in athletics, you see men hugging each other, slapping each other's ass. And, and they're heterosexual men. I mean, right, crying, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. and, and then you see women getting sweaty and knocking somebody down. And it's like this place where the game, the sport, right, is bigger than anything else. And we get to just be. And, and I think mm -hmm. if there's ways, you know, there's still, there's still, you know, masculine, I think, issues in sport, too. I don't want to say, like, it's just all, all perfect. But it is this environment where you get to be a little more free, um, mm -hmm. you know, both men and women, I think. And I, I appreciate that about sport a lot. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Because when I, <laughs> if people would just watch these championship series, okay, yeah. whether it's baseball, basketball, or football, when these grown men win a championship, a world championship, look around and see how many of these great athletes are crying. They are in right. tears and they get a yep. chance to be, you know, they get to be themselves. And that's what sports yeah. does. Sports, you know, it crosses, you know, racial barriers. It does a lot of things, yeah. opens up a lot of different things. And that's why I love, you know, I, I like to see more kids participate in as many sports as they can and get out of the, get out of that, 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 that TV screen of playing a lot of games. I understand there's a lot yeah. of video games going on, but there's something about athletics and being part of a team. It just allows you to be who you are and to, so see, to see people just show their expressions. Uh, that's what I love about uh, – totally. uh, one of the things I love about sports. I agree with you. Yeah. You know, yeah. another thing about sports is that lesson – another lesson it teaches is how to work with other people, maybe not yeah. people that you chose – to spend your right. time with right. and you know, that you have differences with. And I wanted to ask you, Lori, too, as I was doing my Google research on you, I, you did a video or you, you did a discussion on um, this was separate from the gender videos um, dealing with difficult people. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, I think we can all use a little uh, tip or two in that area. And I wonder um, if you can give our listeners a little bit of advice on that note. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, you know, one of the, the first thing I say when you deal with difficult people is to, you know, first make sure that you're not the difficult one. Right. <laughs> so part of this is, can we be honest and be more self-aware? Right. Because we know as, as leaders and, and doing leadership, self-awareness is, is key. So once you realize like, no, I'm good, I'm in alignment here, you know, and this person is just kind of making my life miserable. Um, I would say one of the biggest things to do is to have boundaries, I mean, right? I mean, we often get upset at other people for treating us poorly, but we have failed to put in place the boundaries to stop it, right? So it's to say, you can't talk to me that way, right? You, you are welcome to be angry in a meeting and disagree with me, but you can't slam your fist on the table, stand up and yell at the group, right? So it's boundaries, right? What's okay and what's not okay and I think if we can work on our ability to set strong boundaries with the difficult people in our lives, then all of a sudden we are in our own space where it's like, okay, they still may be difficult, but I've got the boundaries in place. So it's not impacting me as negatively as maybe it was before when I didn't have boundaries, right? Where I stayed in that space. So that would be kind of one quick thing, you know, on, on how to 
very Just have some boundaries, you know? Yeah. You know, um, Jerry Robinson is very difficult to work with. That's <laughs> <laughs> a question I imagine. for me. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jerry. I'm going to set some boundaries. Um, there you go. So, Lori, so will I. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. It's on. Um, okay. This podcast is about to get real. Um, so, Lori, also, um, when we have people on our podcast, you know, our focus and, and the reason we started this in the beginning, oh, two and a half, almost three years ago, was because there was so much negativity in the news and in what was being shared on social media. And Jerry and I wanted to create a place where someone could come and listen to something positive, someone doing good. And you obviously are dedicating your life to helping people ultimately become their best selves. And I, I don't find many things more important than that. Um, and I wonder, per, on a personal note, who inspired you growing up to become a person who is a helper and um, who cares so much about making people's lives around you better? Gosh, who inspired me? That's a great question. Um, Probably more than one family uh, yeah, you, person, yeah. a book. That's great. Yeah. I I would say, interestingly, my time at Cal Poly was incredibly inspiring for me. I think there, you know, I met a group, you know, of women who were willing to be authentic um, and kind of just fumble through what that looks like in a very difficult and still conservative time, right, of era. Um, I connected with women who were feminists and men who were feminists and willing to move kind of you know, movements forward. And I think it just was inspiring to be part of those communities and realize that you can do good in the world, even though it's hard, right? Even though it's hard and that the way to do it though is through community. I mean, so I'm thinking about our, our some of our friend groups and yeah. um, and that having community is the way to, to you know, to keep, to get you know, yourself back up when you're knocked down, it's through the people in our lives and to continue to strive together to have hope in what, you know, you're right, a couple of years ago felt like a very hopeless world, you know, for, for, me, for many people and certain groups in particular, but it's like being together is where we can, um, you know, find our strength, you know? Um, and I would say, I think, you know, a lot of people are like, I've got amazing women, you know, that are doing amazing things like Pink and Alicia Keys and, you know, the Indigo Girls we talked about singing and Melissa Etheridge, like breaking barriers. Um, And then even coaches that I worked with when I, when I was a coach, um, an assistant coach, I had many head coaches that were very uh, inspirational and took me under their wing. And, you know, so those kinds of people, I think that paid it forward and I saw hope in them. Yeah. helped me realize like, yeah, this is the work we want to do, right? This is the work the world needs. And oh. so I'd like to think that I've kind of now found my own space. And I still have those people that, that give me hope um, and that maybe I can be a source of hope for others, right? When it's hard. Well, you are obviously, and um, we encourage our listeners to check out your videos. Where else would you Thanks. send us for a link to more education? Um, any, anyone in particular, or, you know, what resources would you recommend for someone who had questions, more questions about this topic? Yeah, I mean, so certainly on my YouTube channel is, is pretty new, you know, we're, we're putting more, more videos out weekly. And so we're definitely trying to um, do a lot around gender and a lot around gender in the workplace and dealing with people as well as just kind of life topics, right? And so yeah. if 
if someone has a particular question and then, you know, put it in one of the comments, or I don't know if you can, I'm happy to share my email, you know, with okay, any of your listeners sure. that, that would want that because we love to respond to the comment. When I say we, it's my, my team, my Conscious Leadership Academy team. We love to respond and answer the questions that people have around how to live consciously in a time that sometimes makes it very difficult to do so. So YouTube channel would be great. I try to be okay on social media. It's, I have a love hate with it. You know, I'm inconsistent, but Instagram, we kind of post events and then stuff. And when there's, um, you know, workshops and stuff that we have to register for and be a part of that will be posted on social media. And I think all my social media is just my name, Lori with okay. two R's, you know, and Sulpizio, you can, you can find me um, pretty readily, I think with that name. Sulpizio, you say that with Sulpizio. style. Sulpizio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you again. And we will, we'll include your email. We'll send our listeners your way. And it's so good to see you. We should have it in person sometime soon. I'd love to. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'd like to also say to Dr. Lori, thank you so much for being on, being on our, on our podcast today and much success with your conscious leadership Academy. You know what? You are an awesome young lady and keep doing what you're doing because you are making a difference in people's lives. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of our podcast. And thank you, Lori Solpizio, Dr. Lori, for joining us and sharing the good work that you do. What Lori does is just so important, especially right now. And I think in cultivating the next generation of leaders couldn't be a more important thing to be doing, especially with the way the world is right now. So I really enjoyed speaking with Lori, catching up. And you know what, Dr. Lori, I got to hand it to her. She's an amazing young lady. And um, what excites me about, you know, listening to her is that I know that she is making a difference in people's lives. And that's what it's about. We need to make a positive, constructive improvement in people's lives. And she is making a difference. So it was great to have her on our podcast. Absolutely. And if you are out there listening and you want to learn more about Lori, it's Lori Solpizio, Lori with two R's and an I, it'll be in the show notes. You can check her out on Facebook. Her new YouTube channel would be great to check out. And if you are listening and you want to do something good for Jerry and I, give us a rating, give us a like, share our podcast with a friend. We're on social media at one good podcast. That's the number one good podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we appreciate you listening and we hope you have an excellent day. But wait, before you do that, we need to find out what's going on in Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. Well, the words from Mr. Robinson's neighborhood today is Worried about dying? Don't. You will live forever. All you need to worry about is location, location, location. (laughs) Get right before you get left. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the People Doing Good podcast. Back at you next week.
People Doing Good podcast is brought to you by Shoes for Kids. For more info, visit shoesforkids.com. It is created and hosted by Mariah Volk and Jerry Robinson. Produced and edited by Charlene Goto of Goto Productions. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your podcast media. Follow on social media at One Good Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Email us at peopledoinggoodpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time.